Some of you may remember last week when you came to church, it was Lent. This week, guess what? It's still Lent, that's right. Last week we talked about traditions that people have for this time in the life of the church, this meaningful, this powerful, this important time in the life of the church, the season of Lent. There are a lot of traditions. One of my favorite traditions we have during the Lenten season here at the Lutheran Church of the Resurrection is every single year during Lent at Resurrection, we have First Communion Instruction. And First Communion instruction is very important because here at the Lutheran Church, we believe that communion is kind of a big deal. I misspoke. Here at the Lutheran Church, we believe that communion is an exceedingly big deal. That's why, if you come to this church, we have communion every single service, every single weekend. Because we believe we need communion. We need what God gives us in communion. God gives us nothing short of a miracle in communion. We receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Not just symbolically, not merely metaphorically, not in some indecipherable spiritual sense, we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ literally. The same body, the same blood that hung on that cross, the same body, the same blood that rose again three days later. Everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus has, Jesus shares with you in this meal. Understand that when you come up here today. I am experiencing a mystery of the faith, a sacrament, right? That's literally what that means. A mystery of my faith, a miracle. God comes down to this place in such a way that he fits in my hand. And I can eat and drink, my God. And know beyond the shadow of a doubt that all your sins are forgiven because Jesus is in you. Know beyond the shadow of a doubt that life with God is life forever because God dwells in you once again. Amen? There's your sermon. You wish... So, first communion instruction. We had the orientation a couple of weeks ago. The parents came. And this past Tuesday was really the first week. We do it every single Tuesday during Lent, 7 to 7.45 p.m. This past Tuesday was the first time, you know, we really had class. The kids were there. They were learning. The fourth graders. And FYI, if and when you all get together and ever decide to fire me, my fallback plan is to be a fourth grade teacher. Because fourth graders are kind of awesome. They are. Thank you. That was a nodding amen. That's good. Um, fourth graders, they're, they're, they get it. They're, they're eager. They're excited. They're looking forward to this wonderful opportunity, this experience, this milestone in our relationship with God. Things that a lot of us take for granted, right? They're looking forward to it. And they're eager and excited to participate. And I love that. So I'm teaching the class this past Tuesday. And I said something. And right after I said it, I couldn't believe it. Do you want to know what I said? I'm going to tell you anyway. 
I said, friends, this is the 15th time I have taught First Communion at this church. This is the 15th time I have taught First Communion at this church. And I said it, I immediately said to myself, that, that can't be right. I, I've, I've done the math wrong. I added wrong or subtracted wrong or I carried a one or something I shouldn't have done. I must be lying. I hope I'm lying. I'm not lying. Fifteen years. This means my very first First Communion class, they're like in their mid to late 20s or something. Maybe you can help me. Where's the time gone? Does anybody know? I'm, I'm serious. Anybody know? Help me. With any, no? I don't know either. But wherever it's gone, it's gone there like a rocket ship. It's kind of overwhelming. It's kind of a little bit scary. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever come to a point in life where you realize, man, where is, where is the time going? How did I get from point A to point B? What happened? Or is it just me? It's not just me, is it? It's happened to you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting. It can be, dare I say, even a little bit scary. I had a friend of mine in my office this week. He came in, he made an appointment. I want to come talk to you, Pastor Browning. Sure, come talk to me. That'll be great. So he comes in, he talks to me. We're talking for a while. And finally I said, okay, this is great. What brings you in today? And he said, well, Pastor Browning, actually, I'm turning 50 this year. And he said it in such a way he was very troubled by it. And I can tell by the uncomfortable look on some of your faces Maybe you know where he's coming from. But I tried, you know, to put the best construction on things. I tried to be positive about this. I said, congratulations! That's so exciting. What a milestone! 50! He wasn't having it. I said, look at it this way. If this were like the medieval times, you would have doubled the average lifespan. He wasn't having it. And finally, I, I was desperate. I said, you know, I don't know, maybe, I, I'm sure I can probably score you some free tickets to the sale luncheon. <laughs> that made him laugh. Time passes. Time passes. What are we going to do about it? I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy some veggies. I'm going to start an exercise program. I'm going to buy some fancy face cream and maybe reverse the effects of this, maybe slow this down, maybe stop this. If I'm very quiet, if I don't move, if I don't make a sound, maybe things will slow down a bit. Shh, shh. Do you hear the time passing as I don't speak? Me either. But there it went. 
And we can't ever have that time back. That time of awkward, uncomfortable, unnecessary silence is gone. It's gone. That's the thing about life. There's no pause button. There's no rewind button. There's nothing we can do about the passage of time. You can't stop it. You can't slow it down. You can't go back and redo. You can't go back and change things. I wish I could. There's so many times I've looked back over the course of my life and said to myself, man, that went fast. And I also say, man, I wish I hadn't done that thing. Times I could have done more. Should have done more. Times I could have tried harder. Made a better effort. Times I could have cared. But chose not to. Times I said things. And wish I hadn't. But there it is. On the record. The past becomes my present. My sense of life and my experience of life and my experience talking to and listening to other people, we like to be in control. We like to feel as though we have power. We like to be able to, in some way, assert that power. whenever we want to. But there's nothing that better exposes the fallacy of that thinking. Time shows us we're helpless. Time shows us we're weak. Time shows us we are inadequate. We can't do anything about the ticking clock that is existence in this world. And I don't like being weak. Or should I say, I don't like the realization, the undeniable realization that I am weak. But here we are, and there it goes. You cannot recapture the past. You cannot feel like you did when you were in your prime. It's never coming back. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, Forgive me for this next part. Fellow weaklings. Here we are. And our second reading for today very much speaks to this point. Paul writes two letters to the Corinthians, the Christian church in the Greek city of Corinth. This is the first of them. And what's interesting about these words, in what he writes right here, He seems to extol the virtues of weakness. You heard what Mr. Leon read a few moments ago. I read some of these verses again. Listen to this. But God chose. I say that again. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world. To shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world. Even things that are not. To bring to nothing. The things that are. 
Do you hear this? Do you understand what this means? If you don't, that's okay, because I think it's fair to assume this means several things. But most of all, when you hear words like this, extolling the virtues of weakness, talk about weakness bringing shame to strength, we see the Jesusness in these words. God, the ultimate power in the universe. God, the creator. God, the omnipotent. The omniscient. The omnipresent. I don't even know what I just said. But God, the everything, became weak. Became a human. Became, by this world's standards, lowly. A baby. A carpenter. One bearing a death sentence. And Jesus became weak in order to address human weakness. Do you understand that? Do you realize the significance of that? He became weak in order to address human weakness. We have these big weaknesses, right? Mortality, sinfulness. And Jesus comes down to address those, to fix those. And so he did. Jesus humbled himself to overcome time, to overcome space, to overcome sin and death, because that's what these words mean. He became weak to bring to nothing the things that are. Jesus became weak to bring to nothing sin and death. Sin and death define this world. Sin and death defined our existence as human beings. But Jesus Christ came, he became weak, he became lowly to change our destiny. For love's sake, for you and for me. And that is the gospel, my friends. And it's yours. That God is yours. That Jesus is yours. So let anyone who boasts, the last verse from our reading for today, let anyone who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who likes to boast? Oh, you guys are so humble. Look at, look at you. Look at you. No one likes to boast. I say, t- I, I call hogwash on your, on your lack of hand raising. Because I, 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 I listen to you. I know you. I like you. We're friends. We're family here. I hear about your kids. I hear about your grandkids. I see your postings on social media. I hear about your accomplishments. I hear about how awesome you did in that race. I hear how long you've been living clean. And these are wonderful things. These are worth boasting about. Who boasts? All your hands are up now. If they're not, in my mind, they are. And guess what? I'm going to boast right now. Man, I am going to do some boasting. Who's ready for some boasting? Here's my boast. You are about to hear... You are about to experience the greatest line from any sermon ever. Who's ready? You ready? The greatest line from any sermon ever. Ready?
my God is the greatest power that there is. My God is everything. Our God is everything. Our God is greater than all the other gods. All the other gods are false. All the other gods lead to death. Our God leads to resurrection. Our God leads to everlasting life. Our God brings us through the forgiveness of all of our sins. Look at that cross. Our God became a human being and hung on a cross just like that one. He hung there until he died. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. He gained nothing for himself. It wasn't about himself. It was about you. It was about me. You want to know what love is. There is no bigger love than the love that our God has for us. Show me a bigger love. You can't. That's the biggest love that there is. And it's ours. It's yours. It's mine. Tell all your friends. I've been baptized into the cross of Jesus Christ himself. It was the greatest, most significant, most important day of my life because on that day forever began for me. And I know as I walk through this journey of earth, as I experience the short time I have in this world, I know that that cross is mine. I look back, I look forward, that cross is always there. All of our sins are forgiven. Have you ever felt inadequate? Have you? Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever looked back and felt overwhelmed by the brevity of existence or by the mistakes of your past? Listen again. All of your sins. All of your sins are forgiven. Jesus has overcome our weakness. He has made us from mortal to immortal. He has made us from sinners into forgiven people. And not only are all of your sins forgiven, but Jesus calls you to boast. To make him known. And you need to do that. And I need to do that. And I hear this and I think the same things as you. Man, I can't. I'm weak. I'm inadequate. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I have so many flaws. I have this path. I have this mistake. I'm afraid. Our God uses the weak to make himself known. Our weaknesses reveal his glory, reveal his grace, reveal his goodness, his unconditional love. And the call never stops. There's this nice lady from church. A lot of you probably know her. She can't come anymore. She's kind of homebound. or Yes, homebound. That's the way I'll say it. She's homebound. And I go to see her. I go to talk to her. And let me put it this way. She has a lot of mileage in this life. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's lived on this earth for a very long time. And she's not feeling very well. Her health is a far away from 100%. And I go and see her, and she brings this up. And she, you know, I'm, Pastor Bonnie, I'm having a hard time right now. I don't feel well. And most of my friends are gone. And I don't know why I'm still here. And it's sad to hear. And it's hard to respond. But there is a response. 
Because I know why she's here. She's here for the same reason we all are. To point people to that. Even in our weakness, even in our struggles, even when we feel inadequate, God says, boast about Christ. Boast about the greatest love that there is. Boast about a love that doesn't ever go away, even when we're sad, even when we're lonely, even when we feel like we don't know why we're here. That doesn't change. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, make Christ known. Because you can. Because you have the opportunity. Because he has called you to do so as you are, as he created you, in strength and in weakness. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake. Amen.